The following audio was originally recorded live and broadcast to the facilities of Trent Radio on March 10th, 2020. As always, I'm Justin Evangelo. This is Disenabled, the show where we enable people with physical disabilities. So happy to be behind the mic as always. And happy once again to have the in-studio legendary guest, Caleb Hunt. But today, instead of talking about education and academia growth and technology surrounding that for people who have physical disabilities. We're going to be chatting a little more about the leisurely side, a little, little bit of leisurely gadgets here. So, Caleb, so happy to have you on today again, man. How's hey, it going? It is good to be back. Um, let's dive right in then. All right. What? Uh, let's start with uh, you know a, a big question, because why not? Um, when last we spoke, which was in October, Actually, November, uh, for uh, around the 2nd of November, mm. just after Halloween, because I can remember talking about the eve of spookiness. So when last we smo- spoke, you mentioned that people with uh, certain physical disabilities, namely speech, you know, text-to-speech, and people who have, um, you know, vision issues, physical disabilities of that description, um, they're, they're at the financial mercy of the tech companies who sell products that are adapted to their needs. Now, I think this is unfair, and it's something that I didn't get a chance to ask you about. So is there any way a third-party advocate or the users of the products can themselves uh, persuade the companies to lower the prices of the products? That's a it's a good question, um, and it's uh, it's an issue particularly because it's a uh, they see it a little bit as a, as a supply and demand issue because you know these companies are obviously private enterprises and they're looking to create uh, well the the resources they develop obviously have a very big impact for their user base but it is a it's a small user base and I think the scale at which they operate. Um, it, it obviously affects what they can charge for a particular piece of software. Um, a lot of the larger companies rely on some more of the like commercial licensing and those big volume licenses as a primary sort of their revenue stream, which I think sometimes that trickles down to the end users, but it doesn't usually often happen quite as much. Um, or you've got the exact opposite where you, you know, take a text-to-speech program like NVDA, which is open source, and it's sort of a pay-what-you-can um, resource, and people can choose to pay nothing for it, or people can choose to pay what they feel that it's worth, um, and maybe that's... At the end of the day, people need to vote with their wallet, and they look and need to look at options where maybe it's a little bit, uh, a little bit more feasible for people to jump in where it's where it's appropriate. Um, but yeah, I do see I do see pricing changing, um, or at very least becoming more affordable in the sense that, um, like most modern software programs, software as a service and the subscription rate for software becomes more normalized. I mean, you look at Microsoft Office, and people pay you know X number of dollars a year. They never technically own Office because they're just licensing it on a perpetual basis, but they have the most up-to-date versions available. That funds the development. It funds new pieces that get put into things, and it kind of lowers the overall cost as opposed to like purchasing a $2,000 piece of software at the outset. So um, I think I think we're going to see more of that kind of come in as a, as a normalization strategy there. 
Which is absolutely terrific. I mean, that's, well, we're off to a great start then. Uh, as the tech giants of the world, like Google and Samsung and Apple, they jump on this accessibility mm. train, which they have been for latter part of a decade now. You see Apple with voiceover, and then you've got Samsung with uh, Cortana, and then the Google Home Mini, and a bunch of stuff like that that yeah. we discussed and, and touched on in your previous discussion with me. Do some companies, big or small, but I'm guessing it's the tech giants that may do this. Do they, pers- like, do they do they raise the prices? of the products that they're making accessible to people who have physical disabilities who may need them if they want to do a particular, you know, do something in particular um, in their everyday life, whatever it may be. Do do the tech giants just raise the price, like purposely jack it up so that they can make a profit? I don't think think the big guys are, are doing that. And I think the culture around where they've embedded accessibility and it's almost become one of their four, their core values. And if you look at companies like Apple or companies like Microsoft or Google, and you look at any of the accessibility product and um, documentation strategies that they have around providing the best possible supports for um, users with disabilities, they, they get it. And they get that it's something that needs to be prioritized. And it's something that they really need to make an investment in at the outset of whatever they're, um, whatever they're developing so that it's products that are usable for the broadest um, user base possible. And they incorporate users with disabilities throughout their entire um, scaffolding of their, their de- development lifecycle, whether they're testing new products from a hardware perspective or they're making sure that it interfaces with existing tools and resources, um, more than ever they become responsible, uh, a responsible partner in that process of providing um, support and accommodation there. Um, you know, it's, I, always, I often use an analogy of uh, baking a cookie and when you're thinking of accessibility and you're thinking of that as maybe the chocolate chips, you can't just sprinkle the chocolate chips on the top of the cookie afterwards <laughs> or else you get a really terrible chocolate chip cookie. It, it has to be baked in and it has to be thought of at the outset and planned for and implemented because it's just – it's not the same if it's not thought of at the outset. And yeah, these big companies really within the last number of years – really truly do get it and um they're making products which are which are beneficial for a a huge variety of of users um here's a great example too um even uh, maybe shift back to the academics a little bit uh blackboard actually blackboard has a product that they've um been testing and we actually have it as a part of the blackboard package that trent has um it's a product called ally which is integrated into their lms and it's focusing on making digital course content more accessible um and you know there are very specific accessibility reasons why accessibility accessible content is better content sorry um but accessible content allows for all learners to have a better experience interacting with the content. I don't know how many times you've downloaded a PDF off of Blackboard and you've gone to search for something in it and you can't because the basics of character recognition haven't been done on a document. That's like super low hanging fruit in terms of a document strategy for accessibility. Um, But what Ally does is it actually can provide some on-demand alternative support resources for a user to interact with without having to go through a disability services officer or without having to go to a publisher to get certain content in an accessible format. It's not perfect. It's not automated. But it also provides feedback for the faculty member on where documents could potentially be inaccessible and how to potentially remedy them as well, too. So these big companies are are definitely starting to get it, and they're starting to make awareness more, um, well, providing, providing supports as well as just awareness. 
from what you've seen in the field, this is great, great stuff. I mean, I don't even have to talk. You can just run the show. We'll turn it into the, right, the, the Caleb Hunt show here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> next week, uh, Justin will be my guest. <laughs> <laughs> from... Um, from your standpoint in the field, having worked as an adaptive technologist, which I forgot to mention, we jumped right into this uh, right Sorry, away. So he's high. an adaptive technologist at uh, Trent University for Student Accessibility Services. There we go. There you go. Uh, covered your job description for anyone who didn't catch the previous conversation we had. <laughs> uh, being in the field for 10 years, 10 plus years, do you think personally that this shift to creating accessible technology, softwares, programs, has come about naturally, or has there been a forced pressure on a lot of companies to implement them pronto? Like, you know, has it come about sort of naturally where people who are advocates of people who have physical disabilities or the people with the phys physical disabilities themselves are saying they just casually bring it up, or is it much more forceful, do you think? Um, I think the companies are... I think they're really doing a good job of identifying the fact that if they're going to um, provide the sort of life-changing and, you know, uh, um, purposeful experience of working with a particular tool or resource, it has to be applicable to the broadest amount of, of users. And if they're excluding a particular user group because it's hard to do or we haven't really encountered certain situations, I think uh, a lot of these companies being researchers and being innovators are are looking for a solution that can either be a differentiator or can be something that is a competitive advantage in a certain respect. So, um, I, yeah, there's, there's just, I, I think, I think even consumer technology and the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm a gadget guy. I love playing with stuff. I love experimenting with stuff. And I think we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but the, uh, the, the consumer technology is a real driving force in um, in adoption and in usage, and the fact that more people have devices they they can use um, that are in their pockets that are with them uh, that normalization really uh, in increases adoption rate. It's no longer a specialized device in a specialized room or a specialized piece of hardware necessarily. It's something that is is in their pocket and something that they could use in a variety of different in in manners, and that's just that's a, a better experience for a user all around. It also makes it easier, too, to access certain gadgetry when it's in the mainstream. Instead mm. of having to buy, say, a specialized computer through a very niche company, you can just go to whatever store, pick up a laptop, and then go through third-party uh, suppliers to equip it with certain softwares that are you know, that the companies who sell them are, mm. are making themselves uh, much more known. Uh, much more mainstream, and then you have the the tech giants who either create their own versions of the accessible material, right? Or you have the tech giants advocating for the suppliers of the specific softwares, hmm. which is also, I mean, both are terrific. But that, that brings me to my next question. Then, L like niche companies, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but because tech giants of the world are are taking over in the accessibility market, do you see in the future, five, 10, 20 years down the road, niche companies becoming obsolete or going belly up because the tech giants are taking away this area that these smaller companies were once dominant in? Uh, that's actually a really good question because, um, you know, there's, there's always going to be the outliers and, Ultimately, I think it kind of comes down to choice, right? Like if uh, if there's if there's um, 
if there's somebody who says you have to do things a certain way, there's going to be someone who wants to create a software company that says, no, I'm going to do it this way instead. And maybe they catch on to something and they produce something that's really, um, really different or unique and a couple, one of a couple of different things can happen. They can either make a very successful go of it themselves and carve out an even further defined niche, uh, or they can get absorbed by one of the big companies who buys up that software piece or buys up that component that was once a niche product, and then it gets either copied or manipulated or integrated into a different uh, software package so that, well, we're big guys, but we, we now have it as well too. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to go away, but it may be a, a case of just different adaptation and different um, different pieces being brought in at different times. Interesting perspective. I, I... Well, I mean, you see it in everything from you know when when Instagram launched their whole stories thing, yeah, right. Just they're just ripping off another company's idea and they're making their own spin on it. And sure enough, people love it and they want to use it <laughs> and they want to interact with it. And that's that's just what happens. It's almost like the the imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and yeah. uh, everyone everyone wants to get on tr- on the on board with a particular train. Well, that too, and then when you take a, an idea and copy it multiple times, and then just give it more features, sort of dress it up, if you will, mm. the media seems to well, the media, the the consumer base, whether it be physically disabled or not, seems to eat it up. You mm. know, look, look at these new features, and yeah. it's all part of the sales pitch. Are there any sort of new tech releases? that revolve around people you know the that revolve around um you know physical disability and and being designed for people who have physical disabilities any sort of tech releases coming up that people should know about so this this kind of gets really futuristic and i thought about this a little bit and we're starting to see um the implications of uh artificial intelligence being used in um Things like automated captioning and things like automated image description where on Facebook or on Instagram, uh, we're essentially having computers make informed decisions based on what it's interpreting a particular image to be representing. And we're going to, I'm not sure even the full ramification of where this goes in the future, but it's something that's really interesting and intriguing in terms of an accommodation perspective and in terms of what it actually would presenting users uh, with when they're interacting with content. So that's, I can't say a specific product per se, but it's one of those things where um, it's evolving at a really rapid fate and we're going to see huge leaps and bounds, just like we have seen with speech recognition technology, even in the last you know three to five years, you know, you have people who are using these Google home devices and these personal assistants in Alexa and Siri, and it's just been a rapid development of speech recognition progress, such to the fact that we have now have access to caption multimedia content on demand whenever we want it. We can turn on live transcriptions on YouTube and it can be providing us with a described video of what's going on, or we can be turning on a essentially a live transcript of audio on an Android phone and you can sort of see in real time the transcript of the spoken conversation like we could have been transcribing this article with this conversation right now and it could be accessible to someone who might have a hearing impairment right. that's entirely possible now where that where that just wasn't possible automatically you know a handful of years ago so this, would it be safe to say that there has been a shift from not only providing people with physical disabilities with these tools, certain accessible tools for educational purposes, but for everyday leisurely life activities? I mean, like you said, not specifically that things like the Google Home or Alexa were designed specifically for people who have physical disabilities, but through 
their features mm. people who have physical disabilities have sort of adopted them and it's made life much more easier for this seems very inadvertent what's your take on that inadvertent in 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 one sense i i, I part of part of why i um <clears throat> Part of why I love the whole world of consumer technology and seeing where it really kind of interacts with uh, the worlds of digital accessibility is it's, it's constantly pushing the envelope, right? You you have quality and useful uh, products and tools that we might use every day, um, but they oftentimes people kind of almost hack them into accessibility tools in ways that are are more beneficial for, for a particular user group. Like for example, um, do you have a pair of AirPods? Yeah, well, n- no, but I know people who do. Yeah, so the new version of the Apple AirPods um, have noise cancellation features built into them. And noise cancellation features are fantastic for someone who, um, maybe uh, a user who might have um, attention deficit disorder or they're very easily distracted or they need an environment where they can control the amount of noise that they're taking in, whether mm-hmm. it's a sensory issue. You know, there's there's um, these are an incredible tool because they also allow them to, to mute out the background, but they can also be used... To, to amplify in other situations where maybe hearing might be impaired or they want to create a listening environment where they need more focus and more attention. You can turn on sort of these, um, essentially, it's, I think it's called like an, like an active listening mode uh, where you can basically allow a conversation to be amplified for a user who might be using these AirPods as well. So not only do they provide one it's 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 one product that has multiple different implications depending on the user that it's supported. So it's uh, it's it's cool stuff, and it's just it's everyday technology that has implications specifically for the users that um, might not necessarily be intended or designed specifically for. And sometimes too, the company who's releasing the product may not have this in mind it just gets like you said it sort of gets turned into this tool exactly where it's useful for so many different people who have a variety of physical disabilities which is really cool yeah Um, and i mean that's um that's uh that's where i get to have a lot excuse me (laughs) that's where i get to have a lot of fun with this um is exploring some of the tools or the apps or the resources which you know just by way of experimentation and playing and being aware of certain product launches or or life cycles of products to know when something has been launched that could actually have a specific implication for a specific student that i might be supporting at some point in time i often have questions like oh is there is there something that does this or is there something that you know um has does this i'm like well i know i'm not sure but i have seen this piece of technology used in this way and maybe we could adapt it or maybe we could change it so that it's useful in this in this situation and that's um that happens all the time based off of what you said you 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 talk highly about ai Mm. which is a little bit controversial (laughs) yeah and it's it's not something i am certainly no subject matter expert on ai i just i know it's it's going to be have it's going to have impacts on an enormous population for good and for bad reasons um but there there are potentials for it to be to be good and to be useful for sure is there anything else you're super excited about in, in the tech world in terms of accessibility as it shifts from a more education based consumer market to leisurely activities any sort of gadgets besides ai any shifts in attitude that you've seen companies have because you work with what they're releasing on a a daily monthly yearly basis yeah um i think it's a when you when you said specifically the awareness piece um 
I talked a little bit earlier just about how it's it's really becoming a core mission and a core mandate as a part of these companies to have all of these resources and all of these supports integrated from the get-go. Um, if you go, went to like apple.com slash accessibility or go to android.com slash accessibility and you can see not only is it an afterthought but it's these are the resources that are built into the products that are being used that have such a huge impact on it, the users that they're supporting. That's where I get excited because it's it's no longer just this niche product. It's something that um, it's something that's just a part of the products that every people every everyone is using every day. And that's uh, I, that, that gets me excited. It gets me excited to find new new ways of using a specific tool in an unintended an unintended purpose. I guess. Um, so if, I wish I wish I wish we were having this conversation after I was coming back from the assistive technology conference that I should be on an airplane right now heading to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> however, that's, uh, those travel plans somewhat got kiboshed. Uh, but we, uh, there's, there's a big conference that happens every year. Um, and there's a lot of vendors there who are sort of showing and demoing a lot of their, the latest and greatest in technology supports. I would love to have done a like, bit of a recap, but maybe we'll have to do it virtually by way of um, scouring Twitter to see what the latest news are from some of these vendors, because that would be a, that that's a hotbed for some of the, the latest and greatest tech. I'm bummed to miss out on that, but that's okay. Cause well, I'm here talking to you. Today. <laughs> it's good to have you on. And it, it was kind of a bummer too, because I was expecting you a, a, a couple of weeks from now to come on the show and talk about know, this great conference in out of, uh, out of California. Caleb Hunt, everybody, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day at uh, your your busy time at SAS, which is going to get a little more hectic now because of... Book your exams. Yes. Book your exams. exams. Final exam season is fast approaching. It sure is. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation I had with Caleb, feel free to listen to the previous one. I've linked it down below and also share this one around with a friend or two. Caleb, if you're listening, big thanks. And I hope that I did this conversation justice as well as the last one. If you have any comments, criticisms, feedback, if you want to reach out to me in any way, shape, or form, I have two methods now that you can take. One is to hit me up at disenabled.podcast at gmail.com. The other is to send me a direct message through the Facebook page that I have for the podcast. It's The Disenabled Podcast on Facebook, both linked in the episode show notes. If you enjoyed the podcast as a whole, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to it. And if you enjoy any other episodes, don't forget to share those as well. All right, with the self-promotion out of the way, one more thing to cover that I just found super interesting When going over my podcast analytics, I was looking at where a good chunk of my listenership was coming from, geographically speaking, and I wasn't surprised to see the majority of my listenership coming from North America, so Canada and America. However, I was surprised to see that a not insignificant percentage of My listenership was coming from Australia and even a little from Ireland, so thank you for the international support. I really appreciate it. Nice to know that Disenabled is going at least slightly global. As always, no matter where you are in the world, from hemisphere to hemisphere, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.